Changing water into wine seems like a strange miracle for Jesus to use to begin his ministry. Jesus didn't even seem to want to help. His mom kind of pushed, it in, pushed him into it. You have to realize, Jesus had a Jewish mother. They have no wine. Woman, what is that to me? My time hasn't come yet. Do whatever he tells you to do. Mom! All right, you want me to give him some wine? I'll give him some wine. See those big jars? Fill them up with water. That's 180 gallons. Do you know how many trips to the well that's going to take? Just do it. And then take a little to the wine steward. He tasted it and was amazed. Most hosts serve the best, the good stuff first and then the not so good when people are tipsy. You've saved the best for last. Apparently, Jesus made great wine. Well, of course he did. Would you expect anything less from the one who created grapes in the first place? And Jesus didn't make just a little wine. He made 180 gallons of the finest wine they'd ever tasted. That's over 700 bottles. Oddly, he didn't seem to do it to show off. He didn't call attention to himself. The wine steward didn't even know where it had come from. If I had provided that much wine for a wedding, I would have wanted a little acknowledgement. At least my name in the program or something. It was such a strange miracle. Jesus didn't even want to do anything, said it wasn't his time. But when his mom forced his hand, poof, 180 gallons. Such extravagance. What a party that wedding must have been. John says that this was the first of Jesus' signs. A sign isn't important in itself. It simply points to something else. But what did this sign point to? I think the first clue is in how good the wine was. It kind of mirrored what the prophet Isaiah had said so many years before. On this mountain, the Lord will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. He was giving a picture of what God's kingdom will look like when it comes in its fullness. He will swallow up death forever and provide a banquet for all peoples. The second clue was the sheer volume of wine that Jesus provided. Normally when you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, they're not serving lobster and caviar. An open bar at a wedding doesn't typically have Bordeaux and Dom Perignon on tap. But at Cana, they did. The wine at Cana is what it looks like when God is hosting the party. It was a sign of the abundance of God's kingdom already breaking into our world. The best of food and the finest of wines. More abundance, more life, better parties. 
what else did this sign point toward? I think it pointed to who Jesus was and what he came to do, what he came to show the world. Later on, Jesus was in the temple in Jerusalem during the Festival of Tabernacles, which was a festival where they celebrated how God led them through the wilderness and they tented out in the wilderness and God provided water from a rock for them to drink. And Jesus said this to the people. He stood up in the middle of this festival and cried out in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Whoever trusts Christ has the living water of the Spirit flowing through them to bless the world. In Cana, they had run out of wine. All they had was empty jars and well water. But Jesus took what they had, transformed it, and made it more than enough. That was the beginning of his ministry. Jesus brings the better wine to the party. He calls us to do the same in our communities. We may think that we're all used up, empty, with nothing to give. But God fills us to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. He transforms our emptiness into abundance so that we can bless those around us and the world. Now, a whole lot of people had uh, last week were posting on Facebook about, if I win the Powerball lottery, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and a lot of people said, oh yeah, I'll give some you know, to help the poor and you know, that sort of thing. But I saw somebody else post something. For all of you who are posting about, here's what I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to, you know, help people if I win the lottery. It only costs $1.20 for a mac and cheese meal. It only costs 80 cents to provide water for someone in Africa for a day. And it went on to list all these things that were a dollar or less. You don't have to win the lottery to be generous. All it takes is a change of attitude. And in fact, all of us have won the lottery. We were born in America. Most of us don't have to worry about whether we'll have food on the plate tomorrow. We have roofs over our head and warm beds to sleep in, even when it's desperately cold outside. We don't have to walk for hours with jugs on our heads to haul water home. We just turn on a tap and out comes clean, fresh water. We have been blessed with so much opportunity and so many resources so that we can be a blessing to others. S.D. Smith talks about the importance of developing a holy imagination. He says all around us we see an upside-down world full of brokenness and pain. Holy imagination, he says, is a crucial ability to see the world right side up. 
He says, holy imagination helps us appreciate the wonder and magic of the world that is and anticipate with joy the almost entirely unimaginable glory of the world as it shall be. God is making all things new. One day we will live in the almost entirely unimaginable new creation in its fullness. Isaiah 11 describes this peace-filled kingdom come. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Until the day He makes all things new. God calls us to live like He is already in charge of the world. Because He is. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. We get to participate right now in God's will being done and God's kingdom coming to earth. Jeff Vanderstelt uh, wrote a book called Saturate, Being Disciples of Jesus in the Everyday Stuff of Life. I love that when he says in the book, we don't just go to church, we are the church sent out into the world. We are to be the good news people to the world who show the good news in our lives and invite others to receive that good news into their lives. Through the Holy Spirit, God equips us for what He wants to do through us. 1 Corinthians 12 says that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to each person for the common good. All kinds of different gifts, abilities, talents, and resources. Paul says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of us. I think a question that we need to ask ourselves regularly is, what's in our hands? What do we have to give? Not just money, but time, passion, our expertise, creativity, hard work, prayer, and presence. In Saturate, Jeff says, we are blessed to be a blessing to our world with all God has given us. He wants, us to, pour, he wants to pour us out as an act of love to his world. He goes on saying, the role of Jesus' church, his set-apart people, is to increasingly bring all of life under his leadership so that he is the center of everything. In order to be disciples of Jesus in the everyday stuff of life, Jeff suggests six different everyday rhythms, things that we can do and already do every day, but can do with more purpose to them. First of all, eat together with others regularly. Don't just eat by yourselves or just with your family, but invite other people to your meals. 
Because something special happens there. When you share a meal, you experience oneness and unity. You become kind of a, an extended family. When you pray, don't just bless the food, bless the giver of the food. And then watch Jesus join you at the table and change the meal. Secondly, listen. Listen to God through his word and prayer and listen to the people around you. Pay attention. Show you care. Listen for the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Then story. Knowing the story is, first of all, knowing God's story. Knowing the great story of the Bible and what God is up to in this world. But it also involves listening to other people's stories so that you can invite them into the true and better story about who they are and who God is. Fourthly, another everyday rhythm is to bless to be a blessing to the world. Help each other and the people around you in tangible ways. How have you been blessed? How does God want to bless others through you? Live in such a way that it would demand a Jesus explanation. You wouldn't be able to explain what you do or why without needing to talk about Jesus. Fifthly, celebrate. Just like Jesus brought the better wine to the wedding in Cana, we should also bring what is lacking to the celebrations around us. Jesus makes life better. And finally, recreate. Not just recreate, but recreate. Rest and create. That's what God did in the very beginning. He created and He rested. And He calls us to do the same. This past Wednesday, our confirmation classes talked about the importance of Sabbath. Taking time each week, each day, for rest, for worship, for listening to God's Word and being renewed. How can we develop that as a better rhythm in our lives, and how can we help others find rest and renewal as well? We can bring the better wine to the party because we know the one who created grapevines. We can point to the one who provides everything that we need in abundance, the one who poured out his own life for us and for the world. He calls you and me to pour ourselves out for others until the whole world is saturated with the good news of Jesus and His kingdom. So may Jesus take our religious emptiness and fill it to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. May our lives display what God's abundant kingdom looks like so that the wondering world asks questions that only have a Jesus answer. Amen.